Yeah, we're really good over here, kind of good over here, and then we're just kind of slowly dropping off. Guys, we're really excited you're here. Um, just a reminder, I, I talked about it last week. I work, normally I'm speaking to kids, so I'm gonna have to like repeat myself. I'm gonna need you guys to repeat after me. Can we do that? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Guys, yeah, no, it's gonna be great. Just hang with me. It's more for my comfort level than for yours, but yeah, you guys are nice people. We'll make it happen. Um, last week, we talked about our need for a heavenly father. We all have this need. We all have this desire in our heart and we try to fill it up with other stuff. But the truth is that need is for our heavenly father. And we talked about elephants. Um, fun fact, David McCreary, who's right up here in front, loves elephants. They're his favorite animal. And so if you guys have always wanted to talk to David, bring an elephant fact up. You guys will have a nice conversation. But back to it, elephants were misbehaving and they were orphaned and they needed a dad, right? And people need dads. And when we don't have a dad, when we have that, uh, that lack of a, a fatherly influence, we act out. But I had a great dad and I still had this need and that need was for our heavenly father. And, but so often we look to other things. We look to things outside of our heavenly father to fill that need. And when we do that, we feel alone. We feel isolated. We feel like we are the only ones experiencing what, what we're experiencing. We're the only one going through what we're going through. We feel empty. And so we, we know we have that need and we're not able to articulate what is gonna fill that need. And so we use drugs and we use alcohol and we use relationships or work or success or money and none of those satisfy that need. So we just keep shoveling in more and more and more and we end up feeling empty. Oh, yep, yeah, there we go. We feel pointless. Yeah, I'm, I'm still learning this thing. You guys are hanging with me. Um, we feel pointless. Without your heavenly father, you feel pointless. You feel like, you know what? There's no way that I can contribute to a group. There's no way that I belong. There's nowhere where I can come and fit in. Without our heavenly father, we feel pointless. And without your heavenly father, you feel anxious. You feel insecure. You feel unsettled. You feel like you have to compare yourself to others. And then when we do that, we cower and we back away from what God has for us, the good things that God has for us. But the truth is, guys, God wants to be your father. God has a desire, that same desire that you have to be fathered by God, God has that desire to father you. And that is an incredible thing because he is the author of time. He like is the creator of the universe and everything beautiful that we see God made and he wants to father you. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, 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 there we go, yeah. We're, getting, we're feeling it, we're feeling it, we'll get loose. Guys, God wants to be your father, but we have to let God father us. But this leads to the question, what kind of father is God? What kind of father is God? And like, we all have asked this, we hear God the father and we're like, hmm, okay. Well, I know that there's a series of three movies that are really great, The Godfather. I wonder if it's anything like that. No, it is not. It is not anything like that. But what kind of father is God? The closest thing we have, guys, the, the bigger influence, the most influential thing we have is our earthly father. But where this becomes a problem, if you had a bad dad, if you had no dad, you may look at God the same way that you look at your dad. If you had a distant dad, it would be easy for us to look at God as a distant dad. 
If you had an angry dad, it would be easy for us to look at God as an angry dad. If you had an unforgiving dad, it would be very, very easy to look at God as an unforgiving God. But God's not any of that. If you had a good dad, you still don't have a clear picture of what God is like as a father. You only have a glimpse. You only have a window. Because when we see a bad dad, it's obvious the need for a good dad, isn't it? When we see a bad dad or no dad, it's obvious why people need a good dad. But when we see a good dad, they should be the model. They should be pointing in the direction towards the best dad. Let me ask you this. Do you guys like Lord of the Rings? Any Lord of the Rings fans in here? Yeah? Oh, that's so, that's so cool. Because like in a church this pretty, it's very nice to realize that you're not the only nerd. You know, like, it's like, man, we've got a lot of pretty people here. I'm glad that they're all so nerdy. Um, guys, I love Lord of the Rings. They're some of my favorite movies. I still like wake up at 3 a.m. on Christmas to watch Lord of the Rings because when I was growing up, my parents wouldn't let us like wake them up till seven. So I needed a movie to fill that gap. And I would choose Lord of the Rings because they're like four hours long. Um, but I grew to love these movies. And they came out when I was, the first one came out when I was in sixth grade. And so me and my dad made a tradition of it. We would watch Lord of the Rings on opening day, the year it came out. And so all through middle school, I had that to look forward to around Christmas. And I loved these movies. These movies are great because they are full of substance. They are full of symbolism and there's a lot to them. And I fell in love with that. I was like, man, there's so much to dig into here. And after I watched all three movies, I decided that I was gonna read the books. And so I started to read the books and what I realized is while I still loved the movies, what is normally true with any book that is made into a movie, the book is always better, isn't it? The book is always better. Very, very rarely is the movie better than the book. But I realized that while I still loved Lord of the Rings, while they still had a lot of substance, while they still had a lot of like deep symbolism, the, it was just a glimpse. It was just a window into the world that was created in the book. In the same way, if you had a good dad, that is just a glimpse. That is just a window into the kind of father that God is. Because guys, the truth is God is a better father than we realize. God is a better father than we realize. Say this with me. God is a better father than we realize. All right, now I'm gonna say the first part. You guys say the second part, okay? Can we do that? God is a better Oh, music to my ears. It's great. All right, now this is what I do with the kids. I'm gonna say it like Kermit the Frog and you guys are also gonna say it like Kermit the Frog. Can we handle that? Yeah? So everybody say, oh, hey, it's me, Kermit the Frog. Ah! Can we do it? Your turn. Yes, this is awesome. All right, ready? On the count of three, we're gonna say it like Kermit the Frog and we're all gonna wave our hands in the air, okay? One, two, three. God is a better father than we realize. Ah! I just convinced you all to look ridiculous. This is awesome. This is how Joel feels, huh? Man, this is great. Um, guys, the truth is that God is a better father than we realize. So if you had a bad dad, God is a better father than you realize. If you had no dad, God is a better father than you realize. If you had a great dad, God is a better father than you realize. Let's keep in mind, guys, that this is the same man who like knit you together in your womb, right? While you were in your mother's womb, he knows you. 
He knows you. He is a better father than you realize. So whatever your view of God is, even if you expand your expectations, God will always exceed your expectations because God is a better father than we realize. We are not able to comprehend the goodness, the mercy, the grace, and the love that our father, God, has for us. It's not possible. We can't fathom it. And today I wanna dive into Luke chapter 15 where we learn about a father who continually exceeded his son's expectations. He continually exceeded his son's expectations. And so just a little context, Jesus was speaking to a large group and in this group, there were a bunch of different people. There were thieves and there were tax collectors and there were religious leaders. And one of the religious leaders asked Jesus this question. He said, why are you hanging out with all of these people? Like, why are you hanging out with these people? And Jesus, who's the greatest storyteller who has ever lived, responded with three different stories that begin to unpack the character of God as a father. And so we're gonna start in uh, verse 11. If you have your Bibles and wanna open up, it's Luke 15, 11. Um, If not, follow along on the screen. It said, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. Okay, and this, so this was a dignified man. This was a really wealthy man. He was a man of like wealth and importance. Okay, so people would have respected him. And he had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, uh, give me my share of the estate. Basically what he's saying is, yo dad, um, I'm not willing to wait around until you keel over, right? So can I just have what you're gonna give me now? And I think if most of us in here had like kids that came up and talked to us, their inheritance quickly would have turned to a kick in the pants, right? But this father was a much better father. This father was a good man. Um, And so he understood and he responded with patience. And so he divided up his property between them. It said not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth with wild living. And this is what I was talking about last week. We feel alone, we feel empty, we feel pointless and we feel anxious. And so we decide to look anywhere else but to our father. And we fill our lives with these needs, these things, these materials, and they just leave us feeling broken. And so this son, he was like, you know what? I don't need this. All I need is money. All I need is this. And so I'm gonna gather that and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna live the way that I want to live. And he did that. And soon, guys, he ran out of money. It says he squandered his wealth. He bought a house. He bought things. And with those things came friends. And he had women. And then he wasted all of it. He spent everything. It says after he spent everything, there was a severe famine. Okay, so not only did he lose his house, he lost his things. And with the things, the friends left. And of course, the women left. And here was a man who felt alone, who felt empty. He felt pointless and anxious. And he still felt all of those things because he had a need and he tried to look to all of these other things, all of those other things to fill him up. And then on top of that, famine struck. And so he had nothing and no one and he was hungry. And so what he did He began to be in need and he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. 
And guys, you have to understand, this was the most indignified, the most deplorable, the grossest thing that a Jewish man could have done. And so when Jesus was telling this story, everyone around was like, oh man, this guy's getting what he deserves, right? Because this was the lowest of the low, because not only were pigs seen as unclean animals, they were seen as the worst sort of unclean animal. So all of the gross animals, all of the things that could have been like, oh man, that's bad. I don't want to do that. This was like 10 levels below, okay? So he was once, he had all this wealth, he had all this status, he had all this clout, and then all of a sudden he's feeding pigs and he was hungry. He didn't have anything. And have you guys ever been so hungry that like gross food starts to look good? Yeah, have you guys been there? Yeah, Daniel, we've been there. Oh, cool. Yeah, me too. Um, guys, when I, was in, when I was in high school, right, like a typical 18-year-old, I, um, I overslept and I was in a play that time and I had rehearsal all day. So it was like a 9.30 rehearsal to like 7.30 p.m. And I had um, slept in, I woke up at like 9.15 and I neglected to pack a lunch because I didn't have time because I had 15 minutes to be where I needed to be. And so I thought, nah, it'll be fine. We'll get a lunch break and I'll go and buy some food. But also in typical 18 year old Daniel fashion, I neglected to read the email that was sent that said, we will not be stopping for lunch. Make sure you pack a lunch. Okay, so keep in mind, I'm 18 and 18 year olds are hungry all the time. Isn't that right? Yeah, they're hungry all the time. And so I was 18, I was going through like my fourth growth spurt in like the last four years and I was hungry and I was at this rehearsal and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna be okay. And little did I know that I would soon shrivel up into a ball just hungry and starving. But guys, so it went on and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna do okay, I'm gonna do okay. Around one, I got my second win. I was like, yeah, this is good, this is good. But then around two, I started to die. I was like, oh no, this is, this is the end. I'm not gonna make it out. And then around three came and I'm like, my knees are getting heavy and I'm sitting there on stage just trying to be of some value. And then four and five and six and then 7.30 rolls around and I'm like, ugh. This is the most hungry I've ever been. It's been 24 hours. I'm an 18 year old. I haven't eaten since 7.30 the night before. And you know what we did? We went and got Sonic. And now I love Sonic. Do you guys love Sonic? Yes, Sonic is amazing. But at the same time, it is so far from amazing, right? Because it feels, it just like sits in your stomach like a rock. And you're putting all of this food that you normally would look like, oh, this is pretty disgusting. But you're just eating it more and then you finish it and then you go and order more and you eat some more. Guys, that wasn't even close to the kind of hunger that this guy was experiencing. The food that he was feeding the pigs started to become appetizing. It shows that this, this food, historians tell us, this food was indigestible to humans. Our bodies literally can't process this waste and this filth. And he was like, oh man, if I could just like get two of those, that would be awesome. He is in his most helpless. He is in his most desperate. He is alone. He feels pointless. He feels empty. And no one would give him anything. But then he came to his senses. It says when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and I will go back to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring me the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. And so guys, I wanna hop back to 17. When he came to his senses, this is a point that all of us need to get to. This is what I was referring to last week. We have a need. We have this desire, we have this longing in our heart and the drugs, the alcohol, the relationships, the work, the success, the friendships, the status, it's not going to fulfill your need. The only thing that's gonna fulfill that need in your heart is your heavenly father. And he got to this point, he said, you know what? None of that worked. My father has what I need. My father has what I need. And so this is the point we all need to get to, that acknowledgement, that recognition that our father has what we need and not an earthly father, but a heavenly father. And so he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. So he understood that this, his father was a good man. He understood that his father was a good man because these servants, the lowest of the low, the people who were often looked down upon, his father gave them enough so that they had food to spare. Most people wouldn't have given them a second thought, but this father was a good man and he gave them enough so that they had enough to spare. And here I am starving to death, thinking this slop, thinking this waste is gonna satisfy me. I need to go back home. I need to go back home. And he's like, you know what? But my father is a, my father is a good man. But after the things that I've done, I can't go back home. I can't go back home without something. I, I can't go back home without begging to be in his presence. And so all of the guilt, all of the anxiety, all of the feelings of emptiness and of loneliness and of hurt was just weighing on him. And he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. How many of us have been in this moment where we look to our God and God has open arms and we say, no, God, I'm, I'm no longer worthy. You're good, but you can't be that good. And the more that he felt this anxiety, the more that he felt this tension just sitting in his chest, he, he just knew oh, I'm, no, I'm not worthy. I'm beyond forgiveness. I am not worthy. I am not worthy. And so he kept saying, he said, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Keep me on the outskirts. I don't belong with you. Keep me on the outskirts. And so he said it again, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he walked back and he said it again, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. You see, he had an expectation of his dad, but his dad was a better dad than he realized. God, our father is a better dad than we realize. And he got up 
and he walked to his father and he didn't have shoes and he stunk like pigs and slop and he was broken and he was a mess and he walked back to his dad. And this is what his dad did. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. While he was still a long way off, what this tells me is that his dad was waiting for him. Every night, I can imagine his dad going out and just peeking out the door just in case, just in case. And then he sees him and he has compassion. How many of us in here would have had their son do the walk of shame? No, you disrespected me. You went out and did all of these things and here's the son feeling this burden, feeling this guilt and his father sees all of these problems that the son brought on himself and he says, I see those and I have sympathy for you because his father was a better father than he expected and he ran to his son. Guys, now this is a big deal. This is a really big deal because Hebrew men, men in this time, dignified men didn't run. They didn't run. It was uncool, it was not respectable. And this father said, I do not care about the perception. I do not care how this looks. My son is here and I'm running to him. Imagine if we saw the president of the United States running after something, pursuing something with such intention, that thing would have to be pretty important to him, wouldn't it? Because dignified men don't run. And his, this father ran. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And in other translations, it says he kissed him over and over and over. Guys, this father was a father who pursued his son. In the same way, God is a father who sees our loneliness, who sees how broken we are, and he pursues us. You are here today because God, your father, is pursuing you. He's been knocking at the door and he wants you to just let him in. He's running after you, he's chasing you. And maybe that conversation you had last week, he's pursuing you. God sent his son to die a gruesome, horrible death on the cross because he knew we would never be worthy enough to meet him. And so he said, you know what? I'm coming to you because God is a father who pursues us. And God is also a father who's better than we realize. So if you expect, expand your expectations of God, he's going to continue to defy that because God is a father who pursues you. Let's go on in the story. He says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Guys, during this time, these robes were reserved for the guest of honor. The guest of honor. And here's this, here's this son thinking, I am no longer worthy. And his dad comes and says, bring the best robes and he brings the robes and he puts it around his son, right? And we've all been there, we've all had guests. And when we were kids, like we always had an added responsibility when guests came over, didn't we? It was like, all right, I'm gonna share this first controller or I'm gonna give you the good toys, right? Our parents would always buy the meals and provide for our guests. And we would always have to clean all of the dishes, not just our own, because when we have guests, we provide for them. And his father was like, this is the most honorable guest. Bring out the best robes. Because this father continued to defy his son's expectations. And this father was a father who provided for his son. In the same way, God is a father who sees our emptiness, 
who sees that longing in our heart that we keep filling with drugs or sex or relationships or work or whatever it is. And he says, hey, I'm going to provide for you. I can meet your need. God wants to provide for us. You know, I alluded to it last week, but I have struggled with depression. I've struggled with depression and anxiety. And there was a point in college where I had kind of reached a, a two to like th- near the end of a two to three year depression where I was angry and I was feeling alone and empty and pointless and anxious and I needed relief. I needed just this release because I was tired and I didn't know if I was gonna drop out of school. I didn't have anywhere to live. I didn't have, all of my friends were graduating. I was just in this most helpless position And I remember sitting with my dad and we prayed, we prayed that God would provide. We prayed that God would put me in a situation where I could draw closer to him, that I could see an end to this feeling of pointlessness, this feeling of loneliness, this feeling of emptiness and anxiety, and that I can move towards God. And no joke guys, less than 12 hours later, not even half of a day passed when a a best friend called me and said, hey, I don't know why I'm doing this, but um, I'm graduating, but I've decided to stick around Oxford and I want you to live with me. And I knew, I knew that my heavenly father was providing for me. And I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about God through Blake and Brad and those other guys. And I promise you, I would not be here like speaking this today if it hadn't been for God providing for me in that way. God wants to provide for you because God is a better father than you realize. This father goes to put a ring on his son's finger. And now the ring was a symbol of wealth. It was a symbol of dignity and it was a symbol of honor. And so keep in mind, guys, he said, I am not worthy. I am not worthy. Make me a servant. Put me on the outskirts. And the father said, no, I'm going to put this ring on your finger. And that ring represents honor. It represents that you belong here. You are not going to serve my table, but you are going to be seated at my table because this father was a father who gave his son a place. In the same way, God is a father who sees our pointlessness and he gives us a place to belong. He sees that wayward direction that we're in and he says, no, you don't belong in the outskirts. You don't belong in the fringe of society. You belong here next to me because you have a place. God, the heavenly father, the creator of the universe, the author of time wants to give you a place because God is a better father than you realize. And finally, he put sandals on his feet, put the ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Now guys, this is important because slaves and servants didn't, they didn't wear sandals. They didn't wear sandals. And so the anxiety and the guilt and the burden of just hurt and loneliness and all of that was weighing on the son. And he said, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I am no longer worthy. He's coming to beg his expectation that he was going to beg his father. And what the sandals represented were his father's forgiveness. Imagine his feet were bloodied and broken because he didn't have shoes and he walked from a distant country. And imagine the relief when his father put the shoes on his feet. I don't care what you've done, son. I care that you are here. It's not about performance. It's about proximity. God wants us close. He gives us a place to belong and he gives us peace. 
Because this father was a father who gave his son peace, who forgave his son. In the same way, God is a father who sees our anxious hearts, who sees that burden of guilt and hurt, and he gives us peace. Guys, when I was a kid, I had a, I had a guilt complex and I didn't know how to deal with it. Whenever I would do something wrong, I would feel so bad and I would have this weight weighing so heavily on me that I would tell on myself, right? It's like, Daniel, that's not how it works. And so there was one time very specifically, I remember my mom talking about it and she will tell you this story. I was like four or something, is that right, mom? Around that age, yeah. And I was playing with my action figures and um, probably a Batman, I'm gonna say a Joker because that's obvious choice. Um, And I said, and the villain said, hey, shut up, Batman, right? You know how villains talk. And, um, And I felt so bad that I said, shut up because I knew as a four-year-old, I wasn't supposed to say shut up. And that guilt just weighed heavy on my conscience and on my soul. And so I went in and I went in crying to my mom and I said, mom, I said a bad word. I said the S word. And my mom's like, what? Because as I would learn later, the S word is totally different. (laughs) Totally different. And she was like, what did you say? I said, I said, shut up. And I was just crying my eyes out. And she said, okay, I forgive you. As a four-year-old, that peace, it set in. And we are all here. We all experience that burden, that guilt, that anxiety. We feel alone. We feel empty. We feel pointless. We feel anxious. And we know we've screwed up. We know we shouldn't have done that thing. And we think there's no way, God, that you are going to forgive this. I am beyond this. But God is a better father than we realize. And he wants so desperately to give us peace. What do you have that you need peace about? What do you have that God's saying, bring it to me? Let me take that and you're just carrying it. God gives you peace because God is a better father than you realize. And when you expand your expectations, God will still be a better father than you realize. So where are you? Where are you guys? Have you come to your senses? Have you acknowledged the fact that God is your father? Have you acknowledged the fact that you have a need And there's gonna be nothing else that can fill it the way your heavenly father can. Or maybe you've come home, but you think, I'm beyond this. I'm beyond this. I've done so much wrong, you can't forgive me. Or maybe you're home. Maybe you understand that God is a father who provides. God is a father who pursues. God is a father who gives us a place and gives us peace. It's time for us as a church and those of you that that relates to, to wrap our arms around everyone else and acknowledge and take on the, the traits of the Father and reflect God's perfect love towards everyone else who hasn't got there yet.